You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. We just came out of the church is essential, which was an essential message for me. I think in dark days, light is essential. (laughs) But we are now in the we the people. And Pastor Michaela told me that this is like a we the people campus, like a little bit patriotic. How many of us grew up in a time where you said the Pledge of Allegiance in school? That was where I grew up. And when you were in choir practice, you would sing patriotic songs. Anybody ever sing, this land is my land? I I think we need to sing it together. Are you ready? This land is my land. This land is your land. From California to the New York Islands. From the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters. Come on. This land was made for you and me. That's right. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. I was thinking, like, there's certain seasons of life where the tone of your song needs to change. And that was a friendly time in our nation. I think we need Joel Piper to rewrite that song. This land is my land, you know. But we're in an hour where we have to realize what land is ours. And we need to stand. There are people that want your land. And they want my land. And if we advocate responsibility, they'll take it. The promises of God for your life and mine aren't faded. God's not a fatalistic God. He's predetermined things. He needs our participation and our partnership in his promises. So when he says, this is your land, we need to say, that's my land. If he says, Joshua, Caleb, that's your land, and we say, we're not able to take that land, guess what? We're absolutely correct. And we will not step in to what God predetermined and paid for us to access. But if we, like Joshua and Caleb, say, oh yeah, all day. All day long, that's our land. All day long. King David rocks up to the battle, scopes out the land. Most of his people are hanging out wondering what to do. Is it God's will that we beat this giant? Maybe it's just God's will that the Philistines rule right now. Maybe that's just God's way of teaching us a lesson. David's like, who's this clown? Who's this giant? Trying to defy the promises of my God and my country? That's what I like about David is he didn't just love God, he loved his nation. It's a patriotic hour. It's a groundtaking hour, but it's an hour for the courageous. 
I have a confession to make. In the nine o'clock service, I only read scriptures. It was like crazy in here because, but I promise, I have a feeling that we're going to get through a couple points as well. I'm really glad, though, that we started with some scriptures. Can we do it here? Can we go there? Are you ready? Ready to take some land? What I love about the promises of God is they apply to you personally. He has land for you to take. Financial land, relational land, ministry land, influential land. Wherever he's called you, he wants you to take territory. But the promises of God also apply to organizations like churches. Awaken has promises that he wants us to fulfill. He has vision that he's given us and he needs us to step into it. If we're courageous and faithful and willing and able and fight and believe and pray, guess what? We'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I think that's the kind of campus we're in right now. Let me ask you, is this a, we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living campus? I think it is. Well, let's go. I'm going to try to get through these scriptures a little bit quicker than the last service. We're going to start with Joshua 1, 3 through 9. You're going to notice that all the promises that I'm about to read have to do with land. God's territorial. Listen, he created the earth gave it to us, we blew it, we lost it. So you know what he did? He bought it back for us with his own son's blood, and he wants us now to retake our place, not as the first forgiven Adam, but as the second restored Adam, who's faithful and able to steward over everything he originally intended for us to have. Oh yeah. This is what he says in Joshua. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I've given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one, no one will be able to stand against you as long as I live. For I'll be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. This is the heart of God. He wants to come through for us. He wants you to be able to say personally, he's with me. He won't fail me. As long as I'm, let's read the next part, be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. What's our job? Be strong and courageous. Weak and intimidated, uncertain, wishy-washy, double-minded, you get nothing. Strong and courageous, you get the land. I don't know about you, I want the land. I want the promises of God. I don't want to get to heaven and see what I could have had. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate it on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Can I tell you something about Awakened Church? We're a word church. 
we preach the word, we read the word, we stand on the word, we speak the word. We realize that God's word in our mouth is as powerful when he said it originally. He's just looking for somebody to repeat and believe what he says so he can back it up. It's a word, church. One of the things I love about God is he backs his word up with power, though. We're not going to have a little, we're not going to have another study. We're not just going to study the word. No, no, we're going to believe the word, stand on the word, enforce the word, and, and realize the promises of the word. Okay. Well, let's keep moving. I'm going to move on to the next one. This is what happened last time. This is kind of what happened last time. Let's read out of Psalm 27. I'm going to read about six or seven promises that have to do with land, and I want you to pick up a common theme. It's very important if you, for us to understand if we're going to be land takers, whether that's territorially as a campus, whether that's Americans and patriots with regard to our nation. It's very important that we understand the promises of the word. So when we pray, we're not praying, if it be thy will, prayers. Those don't work. Those don't work. The kind of prayers that work is when we discern and realize the boundary lines that have fallen for us in pleasant places and the inheritances of God for us personally, individually, as a family, as a church, and as a nation, and we begin to see clearly what the real word of God is, and then we pray that. We're a praying church. We just pray effective prayers. Have you ever been around somebody praying in ineffective prayer? Ugh. I don't know if there's anything more grotesque than a religious, ineffective, powerless prayer. I know. It's just like, oh, can I get away from that? But when you get in the room with some of the mighty cherished women here and the emerged men here and you leave the meeting like, God, look out. Okay, Psalms 27. Yet, I'm confident I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Psalm 37. This is talking about the wicked. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. But trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Psalm 37, 34 to 36, put your hope in the Lord. Travel steadily along his path. He will honor you by giving you the, the land. You will see the wicked destroyed. Interesting. I've seen the wicked and ruthless people flourishing like a tree in its native soil, California. But when I looked again, they were gone. Wow. Wow. What's more powerful, the deep state or the word of God? You tell me. What's more powerful? 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 You think God's intimidated by California? I remember in the Bible they talked about the land of the Jebusites. And they had a high city there. Remember what it was called? It was called Jerusalem. You know what they used to taunt David? They say, you'll never come up in here. You got no business coming up in here. The blind and the lame will keep you out, David. And you know, for a season, they were right. And he probably had to walk by that high city, that seemingly impenetrable, unchangeable, God-forsaken city. But he kept saying, one day, 
the wicked are coming down and the righteous are climbing up. And one day, not only am I going to take that city, but I'm going to put the ark of God right in the middle of that city. Don't think for a minute. Sometimes, sometimes God is so bad and so big that he'll choose a big opponent. You guys ever see Madagascar too? I choose Titsi. <laughs> He's like, you know what I mean? God doesn't need a weak opponent to show how strong he is. He just needs a David. He just needs a believer. He just needs us. Shoot. Okay, let's just keep moving here. We're just sharing scriptures, doing a Bible study. <laughs> it says, follow the steps of good men. This is Proverbs 2.20. Follow the steps of good men and stay on the paths of the righteous, for only the godly will live in the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be removed from the land. I'll tell you something that's very important. If we're going to be a people that see the goodness of God in the land of the living, that we understand that the wicked do not have an inheritance in this land. They don't. They are meant to be uprooted. They either can repent and remain or stay stubborn and proud, and they're going to go away. That's the word of the Lord. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to share one more scripture around the promises of God. Okay. For those of us who somehow believe that these are the dark days, these are the end times, brother, Satan's on the rise and the church is hiding behind a rock. I'm going to get me some water and some guns and I'm going to hold on for Armageddon now. <laughs> and you call yourself spiritual. Spiritual. Listen, I read the Tim LaHaye books. I read Left Behind. You're going to get left behind. God's looking for courage, man. He's looking for courage. He's looking for audacity. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So... I want to talk about now how to move from understanding God has land for me, that there is land that is my land, that is the land determined by God, predetermined for me to walk in. There's good works you were predetermined to walk in. That's your land. So not only does he have that, but how? How do I determine? So I want to move into some lenses that allow us to see and seize our land. Okay, your lenses are everything, what you see and what you see through. Sometimes it's not even what you see, but how you perceive what you see. And that has everything to do with your lenses. So I'm going to give us a couple little tips that are going to help us see clearly. I think you guys have a pastor that says fuzzy targets don't really ever get hit. But do you know why the lion tamer shows up to face a ferocious beast? With a three-legged stool? Ever wonder why? The reason is a lion struggles to remain potent and ferocious when it's distracted. 
So this beast is unstoppable when it's focused, when it sees clearly. But when you start blurring its vision, it starts to become docile and it starts to lose its appetite and its ability to dominate and be the alpha. This is an alpha church with an alpha roar. I remember sitting in this service. I remember an Emerge conference and I remember it and there was a roar that happened. But let me tell you something about a lion. If it loses its focus, it loses its roar. One of the strategies of the enemy is always, always, always to get you distracted from the land and the promise that's ours. We're, the Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. They turn aside for nothing. It's very important if we're going to be land takers that we see clearly. A couple of quick lenses that will help us. The first is the lens of confidence. It's very difficult to claim land if you're insecure, if you have fear all over you. Confidence is one of the most important lenses. Confidence is a tension between audacity and humility. That's the tension of true confidence. So let's start with audacity. When you think of somebody who's just borderline audacious. You know who I think of? The most interesting man in the world. Remember those Dos Equis commercials? Oh, come on now. That guy was audacious. So I've sh- I want to share a couple quotes from the most interesting man in the world. Number one, if opportunity knocks and he's not at home, opportunity waits. Oh, come on now. He's audacious. This is an audacious man. Presidents take his birthday off. (laughs) Get this. His mom has a tattoo that says son. (laughs) Probably my favorite one. My favorite one. He gave his father the talk. That's audacious. That's audacious. You want one more? You want one more? Okay. In museums, he's allowed to touch the art. (laughs) Let me tell you something, though. The church is supposed to be the head and not the tail, okay? The church, church has to be audacious and fearless and courageous, but it can only sustain audacious living to the degree that it moves into tension with audacious serving. And so you have to be the servant of all, and yet the head and not the tail. And, and if you make a mistake and go into either one of those tensions, and you're like, well, I think we're 70% serving church and, and a 30% audacious, you can't do that. You have to be all in, in your faith and in your courage and in your advancing, and yet all in that you exist to serve the world. Jesus was the most audacious man ever to walk the planet. He did not even consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, took on the servant role to the point of death, even death on a cross. See, that's the tension of of audacity and servanthood got to have confident lenses. 
I remember my son Josiah. We're always trying. If anything, I want for my kid, I want her to be confident. You know what I mean? Of all the things you just long for your children, the thing you hate the most is when you see them struggling with insecurity, struggling, questioning who they are. You know what I mean? And we were, we had moved Josiah to a new school, so he was trying to, having a hard time making friends. And, and uh, but he was growing. Look at the person next to you and say, I'm growing. I'm not all the way there yet. Oh, but I'm growing. I'm getting stronger. I'm getting more confident. And I remember he finally had gotten invited to go to the Padres game when you could go to the Padres game, you know. (laughs) And we were trying to help him. And he showed up with like a pair of sweatpants and he's looking pretty raggedy. We're like, son, let, let me help you. Let me, let me dress you up a little bit. Sometimes I don't care how you look on the inside. Your outside needs to kind of reflect, you know what I mean? <laughs> what I've discovered though is never let the outside determine the value of your inside. But let the inside grow and be strong and mighty so that you can express yourself. Okay, but I remember uh, here was the breaking point. He pulled out his wallet from when he was like six. And this was the snap wallet that had like a giant airplane on it. And it was light blue. And it was not a wallet you would ever bring out for anything, really. And he was determined to bring this wallet on his first invitation out with his friends at his new school. I'm like, Josiah, you can't bring that wallet. You know what he said? He says, what if I pull it out with confidence? I said, that's the coolest wallet I've ever seen in my life. Not everything we've seen this year is as it really is. And we have to be very careful not to interpret this season, this last year, through the wrong lens, through the wrong interpretation. We need to say, in spite of what I've seen, in spite of what's come against me, in spite of the adversity, the pain, the loss, the damage, I realize God's for me. He loves me, he's with me, he's intended me to win in spite of everything I've experienced. It's very, very important that we don't allow circumstances to determine what land is ours. I want us to just take a minute and do a little internal inspection. Even in the first service, I was realizing I'd kind of given up some hope on a couple things that hadn't gone my way. Not because God changed his mind, but because circumstances weren't lining up with how I thought it was gonna go. But you know what, since when do circumstances need to determine whether or not I get the land or not? And I found myself surrendering land that God never intended me to surrender. 
I found myself giving up on dreams and promises and properties and, and things that I know God spoke to me about, but for whatever reason, I opened the door and there was more snakes there than I expected. I remember I have a friend who said, anytime you open the door and there's snakes there, get your boots on. It's stick it to the devil season. <laughs> um, you know, I got a few more points, but I think the reality is, I think we could really land this thing right here. We have to come to the realization that God loves us, he's for us, and that he's intended us to take ground, to take land, to establish land. Uh, we have land to take in this election. We got work to do. It's our time to fight. It's our time to pray. It's our time to believe. It's our time to vote. We got land to take as a church. It's our, it's our time to disciple people. This is our time, man. It's our time to build this thing. But you got personal land to take as well. It's your time. This isn't the time to cower. This isn't the time to come to the conclusion that it's all, you know, things are just getting worse. Days are dark, brother. It's a time to surrender to a lens that says God's for me and he's gonna work things out for good and my best days are in front of me and I'm gonna win. And, and I'm telling you, that's the truth. That's the reality. That's the reality. So I want us to do something real quick. I want us to close our eyes. And we're gonna do two things. One, one, if you're here we're seeing so many new people coming back to church, coming to church. Get used to that. Get used to that. The church exists for those that are not members. <laughs> the church exists for the lost, for the world, and get used to new people coming. But maybe you're new to this whole thing, and you're realizing you really need a different lens. You need to see that God's for you and that he loves you that he's crazy about you, that he's got promises for you, that he's dreaming about seeing you access everything he bought you for and paid for you to access. And maybe you're here and you need some new lenses. You need some new lenses. You need divine lenses. You're stuck in human lenses that can only look at circumstances and you do not have the ability to see beyond what's in front of you. God has a different perspective. He's got divine lenses. He's got divine lenses. When, when Caleb and Joshua came in, they had different lenses. They saw differently what was in front of them. When David saw Goliath, he saw differently. If you're here and you need to see differently, this is great preaching, okay, but, but you have circumstances that need power. If that's you, could you just lift your hand? I wanna know who needs new lenses today. Who needs lenses? The lenses of faith, the lenses of confidence, the lenses of courage, the lenses of strength, the lenses of perspective, the lenses that God's for me the lenses that the enemy is not strong enough to stop me, the lenses that my state is takeable, the lenses that there's no God-forsaken thing in culture, there's the lenses that are not intimidated by anything I see with my natural eye. I want you to repeat after me. Father God, I exchange my carnal lenses 
my sensual lenses for heavenly lenses, for divine lenses. I want to see what you see. I want to see that greater are you who's for me than anything I face. I want to see how much you love me, how proud of me you are. I sense that for somebody. I sense that a word for somebody. You've been questioning your self and God is proud of you. He's proud of you. He's proud of you. He's proud of somebody here. Let's repeat after me. Father God, I invite you in to my sight, to my land, to my mind, to my heart. I want to be courageous. I want to be strong in this hour. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and your power and your fire and your courage. In Jesus' name, give God a quick shout for being amazing. Hey, the last thing I want to do, we always, always, always prioritize anyone who hasn't yet come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so real quickly, if you're here and you know you're not sure that you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. When I was 23 years old on a beach, believe it or not, I wasn't surfing, Pastor Jurgen, but I was in Hawaii, and my eyes were open to the for the first time of God's love and God's power and God's design for my life. If you have not had an encounter with God you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. While all eyes are closed, open, I don't really care. I just need to see your hand lifted. Today's your day. If that's you, I see your hand. If that's you, I see your hand. Yes, yes, I see your hand back there. Come on, this is your hour. Don't miss an opportunity like this and not give your life to God. All of us are going to pray real quick. All of us are going to play right now. Pray with me. Father God, you're so good. You love me so much. You have so much in store for me. I choose to align my life with yours. I invite you in to be my God, to be my Savior. Show me the way I should walk in. I'll do anything for you. I'll go where you send me. But most importantly, I'm grateful to be in your family. You're my father now. And I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Let's give God one more praise. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.